Jingophilia. Hello, fellow Anglophiles. Welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Kaylee McMahon. I'm Stephanie Gallus. And today we are going to be talking about a little show. <laughs> Stephanie, you're drunk. Go home. <laughs> I'm not drunk. <laughs> I am not drunk. I have had two sips of Chardonnay. Right. What of it? Sure, it's 1.42 in the afternoon, but it's boiling hot. I'm going to sweat it out like Blanche Dubois. <laughs> You do you, girl. You do you. It's been a rough morning. I didn't get to do my laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, we're going to be discussing Crashing. It is available on Netflix. All six episodes are up there. Super quick watch. Crashing premiered on Channel 4 in 2016. It follows the lives and wacky sexy hijinks of a group of 20-somethings all living in London in a disused hospital. The series was created by Phoebe Waller-Bridge of Fleabag Acclaim. It also stars Jonathan Bailey, Julie Dre, Louise Ford, and Damien Maloney. Maloney. Baloney! Uh, Wallerbridge stars as Lulu, a sort of ukulele-plucking, whimsical, sexual, unreliable friend of Antony, a complete asshole who also <laughs> lives in the hospital and is engaged to chronically uptight Kate. The story was originally written as two plays, somewhat similar to the origin of Fleabag, written by Wallerbridge, which were then developed for television by the production company Big Talk. Crashing explores the themes of... Embarrassment, emotional denial, sex talk, sexual compulsions, sexual denial, and all that good stuff that Fleabag would then push even further and uh, improve upon a bit, if you ask <laughs> little old me. And uh, that is what I got. That is what That's I got lovely. on Crashing. Um, you did forget a couple of cast members, though, because you didn't mention Adrian Scarborough, who was also Buffon from Let Them Eat Cake last week. Oh my gosh, that was him. Yes, he plays Colin, the older gentleman that French Melody falls for. You're right, I did just hit the young people. And also Fred, Fred. played by Amit Shah. That's everybody. Fantastic. The other week I said to you after we finished recording the Let Them Eat Cake episode, I said, I'm really excited to talk about crashing with you because uh, you're just going to see. You're just going to see where Phoebe Waller-Bridge is trying to do what she now does so expertly and where she's nailed it and where she really didn't. And you can just kind of see like where yeah. she's going with, with things. It was interesting watching it after watching Fleabag. It's been on my Netflix queue basically since I watched Fleabag, which was, you know, back in fall 2016. And sort of similarly to what you said about how, like, you can see the seeds of the Phoebe Waller-Bridgeness and, and Fleabag in this. I would say that it is sort of like her sports night compared to The West Wing, mm. which is something that I also saw, you know, after having seen The West Wing, I went back and watched Sports Night, like, a year or two later and I fucking loved it and I also loved this show I can see how it's like maybe not quite as deep or meaningful but there's so much fun I really loved most of the characters some I had some strong opinions about and I could tell from your intro that you shared those opinions okay good I'm glad that we agree yeah on but that I think that this is a fun twist on the you know young urban 20 somethings hooking up in various combinations and struggling to get by and you know being poor you know you can see that it's got the sort of inspiration of you know the friends type sitcoms of the 90s but it's obviously a lot more 
outrageous and explicit and also realistic in terms of their finances. I appreciated that for certain. I also kind of feel like maybe you didn't share this. I had several moments of just kind of shaking my head. Any of the Indian accent? Not no, not even that. I kind of thought that scene was sort of interesting. I thought as it was interesting. Embarrassing too. as it was. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about it. I'm thinking more in terms of um you have the character Fleabag who does fucked up things but it is clear from moment one that you are supposed to be Mm -hmm. on her side because she manages to make the dysfunction relatable and you come to see where it all stems from and she's so charming she's so charming you might not agree with every move that she makes but you do have this through line of her trying to do the right thing Mm -hmm. sometimes she nails it and sometimes she doesn't i didn't necessarily feel that way about lulu yes my first note the first shot of the series is of Lulu on a bus on her way to London strumming a ukulele and my note is I instantly hate her because at first I guess you're supposed to think like oh she's cute and quirky and she's doing some you know whatever I mean obviously the show doesn't think that she's as cute and quirky as as the character thinks of Mm -hmm. herself which I respect but then her seatmate says could you not which is a perfectly reasonable request as someone who takes public transportation for like you know, between 90 minutes and two hours every single day. That's legit. And this is probably a very long bus ride. But um, but then <laughs> she takes out her ukulele and says, somebody needs an orgasm. And I'm like, it doesn't mean that you're like a frigid bitch who's totally uptight and unable to let loose and live in the moment. If you want to have your quiet time in your space, you don't know what's going on in that woman's life. Maybe she has sensitive ears. Maybe she has a migraine. Maybe she just doesn't want to hear your bullshit, dumbass ukulele songs. And it made right. me, you're going to laugh at me. I haven't done this in several seasons, I think, but I'm going to pepper this with a Sondheim quote. <laughs> There's a quote from Sweeney Todd. And maybe it's not great that the quote is from the title character who we know becomes a serial killing psychopath but uh in his song epiphany when he turns evil for real he sings there are two kinds of men and only two there's the one staying put in his proper place and the one with his foot in the other one's face and i'm like lulu is the second kind of man fuck her sorry i'm still singing it in my head yeah no i know we all (laughs) deserve to die die. okay (laughs) yeah no yeah seriously Um, I'm with you on that. I was also instantly annoyed by Lulu. Mm -hmm. But because Phoebe Waller-Bridge is so intelligent and such a good writer and so good at, you know, er, she eventually gave us like a really incredible, complicated leading lady character. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was all on purpose. Because I I don't know if and when the kind of whimsical chick playing the ukulele took over the UK for the US I feel like that is so 2011 so it even seems a little bit late to be doing it in 2016 (laughs) it's like red ukulele oh you're quirky and annoying aren't you Mm -hmm. so yeah I just kind of wondered because we spend so much time with Lulu over these six episodes and there's a will they won't they that I hate yes I agree with that hated it so she's coming back to visit her friend Anthony who lives in this disused hospital and he is dating Kate who is Mrs. Rowan Atkinson. Fuck! I did not know that! Now you do. Ooh, were you jealous? Well, I felt myself kind of going, well, clearly I hate you, Kate. And then, you know, with every passing minute, I'm going, Kate, I think I kind of am team Kate if I had to pick a team. 
But I'm also just mostly not Teen Antony. Oh, no, I know. He's absolutely the worst in that triangle. But Lulu comes in with her fucking ukulele and her, oh, I'm just so crazy. I'm just going to be crashing here. And there is a birthday party going on that Kate has, has organized. And so Kate is a little bit distracted by this party that she's throwing. But Lulu and Antony... Kate's fiance go way, way back. And so they go into Antony's room to kind of catch up. And there's immediately this flirtation that I think goes a little bit beyond an innocent reminiscing. I really didn't like it. I didn't like Lulu and Antony sitting on that bed together and Lulu playing the ukulele and then just sort of casually saying, oh no, I think my tampon's fallen out. And then she actually (laughs) literally says to him, you would love my vagina. Dude. That line. I mean, there are so many fleabag moments where you go, what the fuck? She said that. But you can, you see, it's it's like when Jeremy eats the dog. <laughs> that kind of shit doesn't happen in real life. Yeah. But they show you how they got there. You yeah. can see all the steps that were taken to make a person reach that conclusion. Completely. In fleabag, her character says and does some incredibly crass and ridiculous and humiliating things in public, but you can usually see her thought process yeah. and why there was no other option or why she thought there was no other option at the time. Yeah. I have no idea why Lulu shows up at a disused hospital and immediately takes this engaged person from her past aside and finds a way to say, you would love my vagina. That's just not how... It's done. Yeah, no, so much about that line is just so weird. I mean, I that's what makes me think, because as we said, Phoebe Waller-Britt is very, she's a very smart writer. Yeah. I don't think that we're meant to be rooting for them. And this is an excellent example of a show with some very unlikable characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of them, I would say. But yeah, that line, what, of course, like what straight man wouldn't love any vagina? They, they feel good. Like it's a normal thing to, I mean. But it's. It's, it's, you would love my vagina, and then it's, do you really think I flirt with you too much? That's not flirting. That's super liminal. <laughs> but it's, you know, do, do you think I flirt with you too much? Do you want me to stop? But then you immediately see how much Antony sucks, because oh my God, Antony starts talking about his fiance, and from episode one, he says, I don't care about Kate. I think she's probably a lesbian anyway. That line is almost like something from the room. It's like, let's ditch this creep. I don't like him anymore. And then he goads Lulu into kissing him by kind of daring her to do it. Mm -hmm. And then then she she does does. do it. And then he screams at her. Yeah, no, he's the fucking worst. I did not understand that. Dude, I would rather, I would rather marry Steve Taylor than spend one week in Anthony's presence. I am with you. (laughs) But, you know, yeah, I'm totally fine with flawed characters. I don't think everybody needs to be a polished, perfect person in order to enjoy a show. But if such a major theme of it is a will they, won't they, and you're rooting for them to please not, (laughs) then I I don't know. I was confused by that. I don't know if, well, see, I sort of was going back and forth on whether or not I wanted that because I was definitely team Kate in the Lulu-Kate split. But I feel like anytime in fiction or probably in real life too, that there's like a sexy, free spirit, quirky girl who tries to lure her quote unquote platonic friend away from his uptight, but you know, responsible and together girlfriend. I always think you're both too good for this douchebag. And this show is like the epitome of that because there's just nothing about him to recommend him. He's not nice to either woman. He's not, and this is 
a mean thing to say because it's just the actor, but he's not particularly attractive. He's not attractive enough, I should say, to override the shittiness of his character. He would be adorable, I'm sure, if he were, like, funny and sweet or had anything to him that would make him seem like an attractive human being. But, like, you would need to cast, like, you know, a fucking god in order to make him yeah. seem appealing to either one of them. And then their flirting off the bat is not wordplay it's well it's just very blatant you'd love my vagina and a lot of that tickling bullshit and she's <laughs> i love watching phoebe Waller-Bridge, but i couldn't stand watching her get so delighted when when antony would tickle her a little bit and she'd scream and he'd spin her around on his shoulders i just thought oh i hate you guys yeah <laughs> it's, it's interesting to not like them together yeah i don't i don't like them together but i also was like oh god please get out kate so like if it's like these two garbage people can go be together and live on a garbage island somewhere i'm kind of fine with that if it saves kate from that future you know? Yeah. But, like, I wasn't invested in, oh, will they or won't they? I didn't care about either of them one way or the other, I'd say. But did you feel like we were supposed to? Because they kept going back it, it to that storyline. It was really, yeah, it's really hard. Because we, we've talked so much, as you said, about unlikable characters on this podcast. And there are, you know, Basil Fawlty would be terrible if you knew him in real life. But you fucking love him. Same thing with both of the leads on Abfab. They're monsters. They're cartoonish monsters, but I want to give them a hug and hang out with them and be their best friend. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel that way about Lulu. And I'm wondering if maybe that's just because of the type of show, because there's like a bit more remove with a sitcom that's filmed in front of a live studio audience, whereas something that's shot like this, like the single camera style, it seems closer to home or more real and you're less willing to forgive cartoonish eccentricities and excesses and over-the-top things like, you would love my vagina. Yes. And a lot of uh, farcical moments where everybody's in a room and there's a big understanding and everyone starts screaming and someone trips and falls and lands in the curry. <laughs> I kind of felt like there were those moments. And, and again, there are absurd things that happen in Fleabag mm -hmm. in public where you have adults acting a certain way that you know they would never act in real life. But they then pick up the pieces like real life people do. Yeah. There are actual consequences. If you stand up in, in a public space and you scream something, mm -hmm. people stop and stare. There's not yeah. just a big, oh, we're wacky, we're wacky. Yeah, yeah. And that did kind of stand out in Crashing. And maybe it's because of what you just hit on is because of that that intimate single camera style seems a little bit strange yeah. for there to be an over-the-top sequence. It's true. With no You've laugh come track. You expect a bit more subtlety from that style of television making. And I think that sort of goes back to The Office, which we talked about in our last season, where like that's sort of the perfect example of like hyper-realism. But even something like Peep Show, we talked about like they get into really ridiculous antics to be sure, but the tone is always just a little bit more subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about the other characters? We've, we've talked about the annoying Lulu and the completely blah, Anthony. What about Sam? Sam. Um, I liked Sam more than I should have. Well, because we understood what was, is it propelling him to be an asshole or compelling him to be an asshole? I, I would accept either. <laughs> He's a dick. Yeah. And he is 
a womanizer ostensibly. Yeah. But there is a sort of simmering thing beneath the surface. He's very confused about his sexuality. Yeah. Because he falls for Fred. Who, of course you're going to fall for Fred. Oh my God. I fell for Fred. Oh my God. Fred is the cutest. Yeah, yeah. Sam is definitely the kind of person that I think that if this exact same character with all the exact same lines of dialogue were played by a less skilled and less charming actor, I would hate him. Uh, and mm-hmm. especially if he didn't also then fall for Fred. But I just, I found him very funny and I forgave him his weird, like, that's not okay to say in real life or that's maybe not even okay to get away with in a sitcom of this style. I just kind of forgave him because it seemed like the people around him were mostly used to him. Do you have examples well, of that? he's constantly trying to hit on Lulu even though she's forbidden to him by Anthony, which is a super shitty controlling thing to do in the first place. Or like in the first episode when they're doing the scavenger hunt, Kate's co-worker Jessica comes in and he sees her going off with this unbelievably hot dude. And he says, but I was going to fuck you. And then we get to see her slap him, which is really good. I think it's because the the show recognizes that that's not an okay thing to say and that it, it gives him some comeuppance that it sort of is more palatable. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. It's interesting how they make sure to sort of get us in on why Sam is the way he is, but we never get that explanation for Antony or Lulu. That's a good point. Yeah, I think that that does make him a lot more sympathetic because, yeah, he's a closeted homosexual and also his father has died within the last year. Yeah. And so that's making him act out, or at least it's he's using it as an excuse for the way that he probably already wants to act. But yeah, so he, he and Fred, the really sweet, shy diabetic neighbor yeah he's so adorable he's probably the only character on this that is not flawed and annoying in some way the rest of them are all in to varying degrees i guess maybe also colin too um and and i'll forgive some of them and love some of them despite that but i see no problem with fred i see no problem with fred i wonder why fred would want to be around some of these people as often as he is including sam because sam is Sam can be very mean to him because he's so confused by his feelings for him. But then Sam also takes Fred to the private ceremony where his father's ashes are being scattered. Yeah. That was a huge moment. Yeah. There's a tenderness there that you don't get to see from Sam when he's in any other context with any of the other characters. And also in that first episode, there's this moment where Sam is like sexily whispering to Fred, you're so gay. And like instantly I was like, God, I want to watch them bone. I know we're not going to actually see it, but I know it's going to be implied at least by the finale. And I'm so happy to just picture it in my head. Oh, wait. Quick detour. Do you watch Glow? I watched the first season and then I forgot to resume. Okay. Season three. I'm just saying. It still works because Kate Nash is British. Kate Nash gets to have like a sexy moment with two men who are also there for each other. Oh, all right. Give me the uh, the episode and the timestamp and... uh look into it <laughs> i'll give you that exact thing fantastic um kate i've described her as perpetually uptight which is true mm-hmm. she drops a bomb in the season at some point about how antony her fiance and partner of several years has never given her an orgasm mm-hmm. and he didn't know that yeah because he's really great and attentive and loving um god she's the person who is the adult in the room and Mm -hmm. gets everything done but 
She also, you know, for someone who's kind of holding everything together, she kind of falls apart very easily. Lulu is there for all of five minutes, Mm -hmm. talking to Antony, Kate's fiancé, for all of several minutes. Kate kind of sees them catching up in a private room. Lulu can be very nice to Kate if they're face-to-face. She'll say, oh, everything's good. Do you want us to... Mm -hmm. Come stay here. No, okay, bye. Kate tries to be very accommodating to Lulu. She's very intimidated. She's making a lot of allowances for Lulu. She gets Lulu a job at her office. But then she also, behind the scenes, tries to sabotage her and send her away so that she never sees her again, even though by the end of episode one, she's like, oh, Lulu, you've got to stay and live here. I I kind of couldn't really figure out what, what her problem was or what her motivations were or why within several minutes of meeting Lulu she has to grab a bottle of tequila and chug half of it and go around screaming to everybody I'm fun I'm fun too yeah I feel like it was sort of early in the series for the uptight character to become drunk and let down her hair quote unquote it's because she did a different version of that later in episode four when she takes off her top while posing for Melody who we still haven't discussed yet and they all get covered in paint and it's it's a big, fun, sexy party. The paint party looked gross, but yeah. taking off her top from Melody, I think, was much more effective. But yeah, no, it's interesting that, like you said, she sort of goes off the deep end very quickly. And yeah. her motivation, I guess it's probably just overcompensating. In the same way that Sam overcompensates for his attraction to Fred by negging Fred and also by hitting on anything with a vagina. In in that same way, I think that Kate is trying to make herself seem super comfortable with Lulu and inviting her into their home. And But yeah, you're right. Then she does try to, behind the scenes, sneakily try to get rid of her. And then Melody is a quote French woman. I loved Melody. Oh, me too. She she gloms on to Colin, Kate's co-worker, who shows up at this party. He has recently been left by his wife for another man and needs a place to stay. And he and Melody develop a very interesting relationship where she paints him. And they share a bed, but they don't have sex. Mm-hmm. But I love how in every most every single scene Melody is in, because she's French, she's smoking. Yeah. <laughs> like, no matter where she is, she's smoking in the middle of Antony's restaurant at one point, which I really appreciate. (laughs) And it's just because she's, quote, French. I keep saying, quote, because it's revealed eventually that she's never been to France. Yeah, it's Uh, one of the funniest (laughs) lines in the finale is when they say, where are we going to go next? After they find out that they're going to be evicted from this abandoned hospital. And then she says, Paris, I've always wanted to go to France. And it's like, that's that's really funny, Phoebe. Well done. like, what? Yeah, no, that was really good. There is some pretty good dialogue in the show. There's yeah. some good lines like that. The discussion of Kate's inability to have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. I like when she says, happy people jizz. Ugh. That was pure Fleabag-esque to me. One of my favorite moments in the entire series was actually dialogue-free and involved Kate, which is she tells a series of lies in order to get Lulu out of her hair on her first day of work and also to keep her away from her fiancé. So she, you know, pretends like, oh, I can't have lunch. I have to go to a boring meeting. And then Lulu sees her sitting in a restaurant eating by herself. And she pretends to engage the stranger next to her. And it's just this whole funny little set piece without any dialogue. And it made me guffaw out loud several times. You think Rowan Atkinson has seen that scene and complimented her (laughs) on being so good at being funny with no dialogue? Oh, man. I hope they have an adorable silent baby who makes us all laugh. 
<laughs> Baby Bean. Baby Bean. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, um, did you want to talk about the the curry scene because you you brought that up a little bit earlier oh, and it is a interesting one to kind of go into what curry scene are we i mean there's a whole episode surrounding curry what are you talking about or maybe you said the indian accent you were referring specifically to that i thought yeah well no no no. the episode it is episode three and it does revolve around a an extended curry night night. would you want to dive into that or did you have something else you wanted to cover first oh no we can talk about that yeah i thought that that was a really interesting discussion about whether or not it is offensive for a white person to do an indian accent just in the company of friends. And I completely feel both sides because as a, you know, I feel like why, why should any accent be off limits? But I also realize that certain groups have been oppressed by other groups more than others. But the fact that the white person in the room was the one who said, it makes me feel uncomfortable. And then another white person said, why? Because you feel like you're around an Indian person. (laughs) And I thought that's really interesting because that also... That's sort of how I feel around a lot of like very flamboyant stereotypes of gay people, but it's like am I am I homophobic for feeling that way? Like sometimes it's sometimes it's unclear as a as a white or straight person whether your discomfort with something is in itself homophobic or racist for you to be offended on behalf of a group that you do not identify with. I mean, I've had these exact thoughts and I mean, listeners, we are not trying to actually claim that we know what the correct and right thing to do is no, <laughs> we are really not we're not saying everybody calm down mm-hmm. um i mean i've told you about my insane neighbor who was once complaining to me he he claims he works as security oh god maybe i should shut my window what the fuck do i think i'm doing i'll be right back <laughs> okay Anyway, when I moved to this place months ago, he started telling me a story about a day in the life of him as a security guard for the LA Metro, and he started doing in broad daylight in our shared driveway a very over-the-top impression of an angry black man. Mm -hmm. And it included snapping and gestures, and I kind of looked around going, uh, I don't know about this, bro. And I think that's what's interesting about the scene. Lulu starts doing this, you know, Indian accent, just talking about curry Mm -hmm. and curry dinner. Mm -hmm. And Kate says, that's offensive. I feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And people start trying to egg her on to do an accent as well. And Mm -hmm. she refuses to. And then when she finally does the accent, she does not do it as well as Lulu. And she does it in an over-the-top kind of screechy way. And for reasons that I can't quite understand or, or really put into words it just sounds wrong it just sounded yeah. better it sounded better when lulu did it and they all go yeah maybe it is kind of racist yeah. they all it's, say it at the I, same it's time interesting because i feel like there are degrees and i think that it's it's possible to determine whether someone is doing an impression and whether someone is mocking and this mm-hmm. i i should preface this by saying that i am not making a defensive blackface here just 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 so that you don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But when I was in college, I took a class about American musical film, and there is a (laughs) drink, there is a Fred and Ginger movie called Swing Time that contains a blackface number. But it is not the kind of blackface number that we've come to think of with the, like, completely blackened face and the white circles around the eyes and the mouth. 
It is Fred Astaire who puts brown makeup all over his face just to change his complexion in what is a tribute to Bojangles. It would never fly today. It would never fly even a couple decades ago. It's really not okay. But my professor explained to the class before showing us that although it was going to seem shocking to our modern sensibilities, that it wasn't meant to be a broad stereotype of all African Americans. It was one great dancer and artist paying a respectful tribute to another great dancer and artist. At least that was how it was meant. Now I'm just repeating what my professor told us. I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm not justifying it. Obviously if Fred Astaire were alive today he would not be doing that. But I will say that there are levels. It's it That is a different type of thing than the kind of blackface that we think of. You are right. Yeah. Again, I'm and also, it was the 30s. Like, I'm not saying that that makes it okay for you to be whatever black person you admire and, like, black up to go be Beyonce or Michael Jackson or Barack Obama. I'm not saying that, like, just not having the white eyes and the white mouth makes it perfectly acceptable. It's still, we have a long way to go before we reach racial equality. But, um, but if you can Yes, don't, don't black up to be Beyonce, Definitely please. don't. No, definitely don't do any of that. But, but for his time, like, the Fred Astaire's blackface number is significantly less racist and uncomfortable than say the Mickey and Judy blackface numbers which are really horrific to watch I I, I understand the comparison and where you're coming from I kind of feel like this is something that we encounter with racism and sexism mm -hmm. there's the white person who goes to Trump rallies and hates brown people mm -hmm. and then there is the white liberal who can justify some Fred and Ginger stuff. You know, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. It's it's not, it's not hateful. It's just a little bit like, this is the world that I live in and this is how I was, I was conditioned to think and I'm ready for anybody to correct me, but here's my understanding and why I don't think that, you know, this is necessarily rooted in actual hate. Yeah. And I, I think yeah. that we need to be able to have the discussion rather than just shut it down and, and cancel it. Like I was watching that scene in Crashing and I kind of thought, ooh, I I understand that Phoebe Wallerbridge and Fleabag has really taken off with people in, in the US and I know that Crashing is available and I kind of thought, ooh, are people gonna totally start hating on Phoebe Wallerbridge because of this scene? Mm. And they're gonna just wanna call her out on Twitter and there's gonna be all kinds of articles about, here's one racist thing she did this one time. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad that I haven't seen any of that and I don't want that to begin yeah. because I think that it's a really, again, it's just an interesting depiction of like well-meaning non, you know, not non, well-meaning white people who have dividing opinions on this one certain thing that they're doing behind closed doors. Yeah. And I like that in the end, they do kind of say, okay, maybe this isn't cool. I see how it's not cool. Yeah. But the question of, does it make you feel like you're near an Indian person? And does that make you uncomfortable? That was a really cool question. It was. And also, here's another relevant detail that I don't think we've mentioned yet, which is that Fred is Indian, or rather, of Indian heritage. So it's not like it's a whole group of white friends just imitating people with accents just for shits and giggles. Like, Lulu clearly did not mean this with any sort of malice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would be too scared to put that in something now. <laughs> I would be absolutely too scared to put that in something. Yeah. But I love that she did it mm -hmm. because I mean I don't know if you do this I know that I do it but if I tell a story about my real life mm -hmm. I do everybody's voice without even thinking oh, about oh, it oh yeah and so if that 
includes a person with an accent. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny how I could tell somebody a story about an Australian mm-hmm. that I knew for one night. Yeah. And I can, I will do the voice and people laugh along. But I was once telling a coworker about a funny conversation I had with a woman who worked at a coffee shop across the street and she was Korean mm-hmm. and I loved her very much. Mm-hmm. And I was just telling a story about my interaction with her mm-hmm. and I did her voice, but she's Sue. Yeah. I bothered learning her name. I love Sue. Sure. Sue would give me free Americanos all the time and I'd tip her $5 like yeah. she was my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did her little accent and the person I was telling the story to covered her mouth with both hands. Mm-hmm. And I went, Mm, now, I wasn't really taking the Sue voice to a new uncomfortable place. I just kind of yeah. did Sue's voice. Was it was it that bad? I won't do it again. Why were you uncomfortable with that? Yeah. And I feel like I've never seen that really discussed in media, particularly not a little sitcom like like this show. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I completely get that. Yeah, no, that was that was an interesting scene. By the way, I wasn't calling you racist for bringing up Fred and Ginger as a sort of... It seemed like you were, but I knew what you meant. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, no, but here's the thing. I, I will admit this. I am racist because there's no way to grow up in this culture, you know, with all of this poison we're drinking from birth and not be racist. I think... I wish that white people didn't get so offended and defensive when they are called out for being racist and this is where I wish that there were different words for the different levels of racism because you said the same thing about sexism there's sexist and then there's misogynist Misogynist, there's the people who are you know threatening women on twitter with rape and who you know post violent images and who do violence against women who have a lot of rape women yeah yeah and then there's like saying things like, oh, you throw like a girl or, you know, like pulling out your chair for you just little or like instances of benevolent sexism or or like holding on to these stereotypes that can be gently corrected in people that mean well and that you know and love. Right. And same thing, like I'm not a I'm not a bigot, I guess, is what it is. It's like I don't take any glee. I'm not proud of being a racist. I'm very ashamed of it. And I would like to take steps to correct that as much as I can within my lifetime. But I think it's also important to remember that even though there are different levels, it's still, you know, it's on the same spectrum. And that's why I think it's important that in Crashing, they did ultimately come down on the side that it's not okay because... It's not a spectrum that you want to be on at all. Whether you mean well or not, it's not really the point. Yeah. I mean, if you catch yourself in your mind thinking a certain way, you're able to go, oh, shit, that's how they want me to think. Yes. Fuck. How can I, how can I work on this? Because I know that this is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I once, I once read something that was like, the first thing, your, what is it? Your first thought is what you've been told to think, and your second thought is what you really think. I like that. I like that too. If you're like, you know, judging someone's body or their outfit or thinking something stereotypical while you're out and about, but then you correct yourself afterwards, it's just a matter of getting to that second thought quicker. I like that so, so, so much. Yeah. Because the second, I mean, the the people who are up there, I mean, the president of the United States of America Mm -hmm. is a huge example of that. Nobody should ever have to say... I don't have a racist bone in my body, which he has said, or no one has more respect for women than me. And he has literally separated children from their families and put them in internment camps indefinitely, and people are dying, and he has raped many people. 
Yep. I mean, this has taken a turn. This has taken but... a very depressing turn. And but... yet when this show came out, he wasn't our president. <laughs> oh, God, I'm in pain. Oh, Me God, too. I'm in pain. Oh, I know. Oh, man. God, I must have seen Fleabag for the first time, like, the month before that shit happened, and the world was never the same. Oy. Shit. Um, oh, so we haven't talked about Will yet, who comes in in episode three, and we meet during Curry Night. Yes, back to, back to the whimsical lives of people living in a disused <laughs> hospital, because yes. doesn't that sound fun? Yeah, so this is a guy that Fred, the sweet guy who uh, Sam is secretly in love with, has been seeing. He is a burly Australian. Mm-hmm. What do you think about him? Oh, he's hilarious. And I like him until we're not supposed to like him anymore. I think that it was very well handled because... He seems like just this big friendly dude who really cares a lot about Fred. Maybe a little obnoxious, a little full of himself, but he's a nice guy. But then as each episode progresses, you get to see him be a little bit more possessive and a little bit too enamored with himself and his idea of his own goodness. Mm -hmm. In episode four, there's a great scene where they're in bed together and he's just stroking Fred's hair and he says, shh, I love you, shh. And then before he can, before Fred can respond, he just goes, shh. I know you do too. She just won't get a response. I was like, that's so fucking funny. And that's such a great, like, I think that abusive is too strong a word, but he's definitely possessive. And you could see that if he did have a temper, that if they were to stay together long-term, it might eventually be turned on Fred. And yep. Fred deserves so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love that scene so much. Shh. Yeah. I, I, I forgot about that. I know you do too. I know oh, you yeah. do too. He's basically making Fred brag about him for him. Yes. You know what I mean? It's that scene. Why can't I find my note about it? It's really funny, but he says stuff like, oh, next you'll be telling him about my charity work. It's, it's, oh my God, it's completely David Brent. I just realized that. <laughs> it's like the, oh, like, don't, don't tell him about the paper. And then he's like, there's a little beat and he gives him a look like, you know, tell him. And he's like, oh yes, he also writes a financial column for this newspaper. And he's, you know, mans the phones at the Samaritans. Like it's, it's really funny. You can see the facade cracks rather quickly, and by the end of his arc on the show, you totally are not rooting for him to stay with Fred. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My first note of episode four. Real quick, and if you don't have the answer, that's fine. Do you do you know if we're told how many years Kate and Anthony have been together? I don't believe so. But At it seems like it's a little bit. Sure. Well, episode four opens with Katie farting in front of Aunt mm-hmm. Thunny, and she treats it like it's the end of the fucking world, just that she has to fart, and so she's gonna put her bum outside of the bed, out from underneath the covers, which she's already treating as if it's such an emergency. And she kind of would have the time, conceivably, to make it out of the room if it's really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And you and I have talked before about how annoying it is when there's this idea of, oh, you can't possibly have bodily functions in front of your partner. And we usually see it in the context of a new couple. But I'm going, you guys are engaged to be wed. Like, just go ahead and fart. But Antony encourages her, go ahead and fart. And then she does. And then she poos a little. Yeah, it's that so I can understand gross. freaking out about. But, you know, but yeah, no, I definitely thought of Sex in the City because I always thought it was so stupid that an adult 30-something-year-old woman would be so mortified that this guy that she's seeing and is kind of getting serious about, that it's also like, it's the cutest little toot sound. It's like, 
it, it's not like a big smelly stinker, the kind that you know, like with <laughs> pops. Like we we can differentiate what different kind of farts probably smell and feel like from the sound. That was like the most dainty little feminine fart, Carrie. Calm the fuck down. But yeah, it's that same. I can't imagine not being comfortable farting in front of a man that I've been naked with. Like, if you want to see my ass, you better be able to deal with what comes out of it in terms of air. Not in ter- maybe maybe I won't poop in front of you. Maybe that's a little too much. But I just it, it makes so me wonder if Mr. Big has never really like fucked her that hard because does that mean she's never queefed? <laughs> Sex in the City Queef. Oh my god, that's so funny. Because talk about, I mean, a fart you can kind of control. A queef is not something you can. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's a bigger mood interrupter than just a little beep. Oh, I'm so sorry, but it's like, she didn't fart during sex. She farted just lying in bed one morning. How many years would you need to be suppressing your gas for your boyfriend whom you live with, to, or your fiancé whom you live with, to never hear you fart? That sounds awful. It does sound awful. Oh, I feel so bad for women who don't let themselves just let it go. Yeah, I mean, I can see how, I mean, that you don't open with that, but <laughs> come on. You guys are engaged. Give me, give me a break. But I, but I, but I don't know why Kate and Anthony are together. Full stop. I don't know. There's really nothing. Well, it's interesting because in, I believe it's in the last episode, we see Jessica. Kate has decided she's broken up with Anthony and Fred has broken up with Will. And so they're eating together at this Italian place and they're joined by Jessica. And she said, like, I never understood the attraction there because he's this, you know, funny, brooding, mysterious, sexy man. And I was like, he's literally not one None of, of those things. things. And like, I mean, that's a rude thing to say. I guess it's maybe a funny line if the joke is, ha ha, she's being rude to her coworker slash friend. But like, there is nothing to recommend him as a partner. Nope. Don't. It's, yeah. Nope, nope, nope. In and a show he can't is, yeah, make her, he cannot, he cannot bring her to orgasm. Except when he cries, which is a funny detail. I feel like I've seen that in another movie or, or TV show where a woman can't, come unless her partner is crying and of course it escapes me but i also think that it was a foreign thing i I don't know if it was british or australian Hmm. but i feel like i've seen that before interesting episode four is also when they realize that lulu has never actually given a deposit to live in the disused hospital and she needs to borrow Mm -hmm. some money so she borrows it from this mysterious person who goes by auntie Gladys. Auntie Gladys. You don't know whose aunt she is, but it's fucking Kathy Burke. Yep. Which is always going to make me happy when Kathy Burke just shows up. Amen. Happen and let them eat cake. Mm-hmm. Happen in French and Saunders. Abfab. <laughs> Kathy Burke, please show up in, in, in everything. In everything, yeah. But that was a creepy character. Really was, yeah. She was beyond sexually inappropriate. She was straight up molesting her, and I... I assumed, I forgot that people sometimes call people aunt and uncle when they aren't actually related. I assumed that it was her aunt, but maybe it was just a family friend. Either way, Lulu's childhood can't have been great with her around. Um, So that gives me a bit of of sympathy for her, but... Yeah, they bring her a big old joint in exchange for some money, and you get the feeling that 
Lulu has had to perform sexual favors in, in the past to get mm-hmm. money from, from Aunt Gladys. I don't yeah. think I'm reading too much into that. That's really no, the information no, we're does, given. That does seem quite... Uh, yeah. How, yeah. Mm. This is the same episode as Kate's uh, foray into uh, being liberated, where uh, she poses for Melody, topless, mm-hmm. and she ends up also getting intoxicated, and she says that she thinks she's been pretending to love Antony. And you mm-hmm. think, yeah, you probably have, girl. Yeah. Thank fucking Christ. But then episode five opens with her waking up and telling Antony she doesn't remember anything from last night and she loves him. So it's yeah. a lie. You you know it's a lie. Yeah. And, and you kind of think, no, you were so close. Get out of this fucking place and ditch this fucking guy. Seriously. This is a show that I'm actually very sad that it's only one season. I would have loved to see a season two. Because it has that cliffhanger ending. Okay, so I would love to talk about the finale because in a lot of ways it was more of the same. But then when it mm-hmm. comes to the Antony and Lulu storyline, it was fascinating because you could kind of see, again, a glimpse of Fleabag. But it was a glimpse mm-hmm. of the Fleabag subtlety mm-hmm. as opposed to the Fleabag, I'm going to wallop you with shit that you never expected and justify it yeah. masterfully. Mm-hmm. When they are out looking for Kate, they see Kate making out with Jessica. So Jessica kisses Kate and they happen to see that exact moment. And then because Antony has already floated out the idea that Kate's a lesbian, they kind of go, okay, that's confirmed then. And Antony says, nothing left to do now, but go home. But when he says go home, Lulu says, fuck. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, the idea is out there and they, and they fuck. And then the next morning, Antony comes to Lulu and says, Kate's not a lesbian and she doesn't want to break up. And Lulu kind of nods and Antony with the same like placid exterior says, what should I do? And it's like, not for one second have I really wanted them to get together. I really haven't. Yeah. But all of a sudden I felt Lulu's disappointment for the first time. I actually felt invested in her feelings for Antony, even though the entire time I've been annoyed by it. I hate the way she screams with glee every time he tickles her. I hate the way they keep finding excuses to be alone. I've found it all very obnoxious and disrespectful. But when he says, what should I do? Her whole face falls because what's unspoken is, well, if you cared about me enough, you would know exactly what to do. But you clearly don't care about me the way that you have been insinuating for days or weeks or however however long it's supposed to have been. And she does this, you should get back with her, 100%. Mm -hmm. And it's very much similar to specific scenes in Fleabag where it's more about what she's not saying Mm -hmm. than about what she is saying. And you see this glimpse of this brilliance and this and this humanity that Phoebe Waller-Bridge is able to tap into and show us. Yeah. And then the, and then the show ends and you go fuck you th- this has taken turn for the very interesting and now it's done. It's such blue balls. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to get a a happy wacky like young ones ending where the place just fucking blows up and they're all outside ah! watching it burn. I I really thought that's what we were yeah. going to get. I mean, it seems like it's the kind of show that they didn't know that there wasn't going to be a second season. Like a Freaks and Geeks situation. Or no, yeah. I guess Freaks and Geeks kind of knew. But no, like but they, the, um, I don't Twin know. Peaks, maybe. More like yeah. a Twin Peaks. <laughs> Freaks and Peaks. Freaks and... <gasps> okay. Ooh. Somebody on Tumblr, start that account now. Make funny photoshopped <laughs> images of James Franco in, in the Black Lodge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I thought 
thought that was interesting because it also kind of sucks extra. Lulu goes into the kitchen to get something. Antony follows her in, starts making out with her, even mm-hmm. though they've decided you should get back with Kate. Ugh. And then Kate walks in to get something. They stop. And she turns to them and says, I'm not fucking stupid, which I love. Like, yeah. I've also never loved Kate more. And then it's all ripped away. Ugh. Oh, I know. You know, we're skipping around a lot chronologically, but it's cool. This is a short show. I'm assuming that everybody here has watched it, and so we're all good. But there were a few moments. As much as Kate is sort of inconsistently written and is definitely, like, they're playing up the anal factor, there are a few little human moments that do make me like her. And they're mostly when she is feeling insecure around Lulu and is trying to sort of take on little bits of her personality or aesthetic. Like when she buys a hat, she notices that Lulu has a hat and then like on her lunch break, she buys a hat and she's trying it on in the mirror and trying to be all cool. And like, I don't know, there's something very human and relatable about like, oh, I don't like who I am. I want to try to be somebody different. And then you do it and you you are bold and you make an effort to get outside of your fashion comfort zone. And then someone says one deflating comment to you and then you're like, oh, never mind, forget it. Yeah. I liked that. She's also kind of playing with the idea of side bangs, right? Which I yeah. think Lulu kind of pulls off very well and she's trying to do it in, in yeah. the mirror. I think even in the first episode, she picks up her ukulele and strums it in front of the mirror. And that was kind of heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Because she, Lulu and and Kate, you know, I'm thinking huh, I'm thinking of another Sondheim lyric, you guys. Do <laughs> but, it. Um, there's a song called The Story of Lucy and Jesse in Follies. And it's like the singer is describing these two fictional women and one they, they represent sort of opposite sides of the spectrum. And then the final lines of the song are, if Lucy and Jesse could only combine, I could tell you someone who would finally feel just fine. And I feel like if you could combine Kate and Lulu, they would become a normal, happy person. Someone who's like uninhibited, but also responsible to other people's feelings and not a total dick and not so trapped within the prison of her own mind and, and self. Yep. And that person would also be way too good for fucking Anthony. That, oh, God. Everybody's too good for Anthony. Everybody's Jesus. too good. Yeah. Hate Maybe him. he and Will could hook up. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, you know what, though? I was happy when Sam finally relaxed and, and kissed Fred. Oh, of course. That was a will-they-won't-they they that I cared about way more. Deeply, yeah. Yeah, even though... Sam was completely heinous. Sam does shag Lulu, mm-hmm. um, which makes Antony very mad, even though he can't put into words quite why it's not okay. Ugh. That was a moment where I was like, yes, Lulu, please, fuck anybody except Antony. Exactly. Get over it. But yeah, I actually thought that the Sam and Fred roller coaster was way more compelling than the heterosexual one. Also, I think that it kind of goes a long way that you know unequivocally that Fred's a good person. I don't really know that about Lulu or Antony. Mm-hmm. And there's only one asshole as opposed to two assholes. Two assholes are not necessarily better than one. (laughs) Yeah. Twice the shit. There you go. I did love Will's exiting line when he's had his whole blow up and then Fred decides to dump him. He says to everybody as he's leaving, you will never meet anyone like me ever again. I'm fantastic. And I thought that was so funny. And it It also reminded me of like, have you ever watched the Bachelor franchise? No. Okay, well, just know this. Every woman who leaves The Bachelor, pretty much, 
is crying in the limo and wondering what's wrong with her and convinced that she's never going to find love and wishing she could have been good enough for this totally boring dude. All of the Anthonys of the world, or at least of America, end up as The Bachelor. That is who that fucker is. Um, and then every, maybe not every man, but like certainly in the early ones before they've formed meaningful, whatever passes for meaningful relationships on The Bachelorette, they get in the car and they are angry and they're like, she doesn't know what she's missing. I'm fantastic. And I'm like, that's a fucking interesting little bit of human behavior. Well, well observed, ABC. Oh my goodness. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I mean, I think about the one exception. I mean, I've never watched The Bachelor, but uh, you know I watched all three seasons of The Flavor of Love. <laughs> and there was one incredible moment. You know, everybody also pretty much leaves that show feeling pretty sad that Flav did not choose them yeah. for very mysterious reasons. Flavor Flav <laughs> did not choose me as his, as his woman. Mm-hmm. But fucking Boots. I remember... Boots getting kicked off. He he gave everybody nicknames. Boots got kicked off and she walked right up to him, pulled a piece of paper out of her bra that had her phone number on it, handed it to Flav and said, call me when you get sick of these hoes. <laughs> and I thought, I love you so much, Boots. That's fantastic. Yes. Call me when you get sick of these hoes. Oh, that's a fantastic <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope Flav did not call Boots. I want better for Boots. <laughs> oh gosh, where were we? <laughs> where, where indeed? Um, I feel like we were just kind of jumping around about a lot of things. Are we ready for a Shag Mary kill? I was wondering the same thing, except I wanted to bring up the other kind of strange twosome on the show, oh, which yeah. is Melody. Yeah, and... we haven't talked about them a lot. Let's talk about them first. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me what what's his name? Is it Colin? Colin. Um, Melody and Colin, they have a sort of chaste relationship, but Melody is also completely like sexually fascinated by this much older wounded man and she enjoys painting him. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be non-sexual because that's his choice, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. He is deeply heartbroken over his wife leaving him for somebody else. But there's a moment when they're informed that the building is being condemned and some people start scrambling to uh, pack all of their stuff. And Colin's in their room that he's in with Melody. And he sees all of the other paintings that she's painted over the years. And there, there's a recurring image of a different older man in repose and in various states of undress. Mm-hmm. And the episode, I think it's the penultimate one, ends yeah. with him asking, before they're going to make love for the first time, he asks her, who's the man in the painting? And she says, it's my father. Obviously. They, they never mention that again, but I love that it was just all out there. Oh, yes, it, it, it is my father. I just oh, yeah. thought, yep, here we are. No, I, we are. I love Melody. I love how she's so no-nonsense and so straightforward. I love how much she loves Colin and, like, his pain and makes him beautiful. Like, there's, there's a real... As much as this character could be just, like, a silly French stereotype who's always smoking and is kind of a pretentious artist, like, there's something really sweet about the earnestness with which she views him and seems to really love him. And also, she has another one of my favorite lines in the series, which I so wish I could internalize and apply to myself, but I consciously have been aware of since I was maybe a prepubescent child. But Kate is saying that she envies how confident Melody is in her body. And she says, it's not useful to anyone for me to be ashamed of myself. They want us to hate our bodies. It's how they control us. And I was like, preach. I know this. 
And yet. <laughs> I latched onto and that yet, too, man. And yet, the hatred continues and probably will forever. Oh, Oof. I I swear to God, I know that you liked the, my stupid Facebook post from the other day where I say, next time you go to diss yourself, imagine that Lizzo is watching. Mm, but yes. that has, <laughs> that is actually, I mean, I mean between Melody, because I think about Melody a lot and, yeah. and that scene, actually, since I watched it last week. Mm-hmm. I think about her and I think about Lizzo and it's yeah. like, yeah, I, it's actually not of any use to anyone, particularly not maybe more vulnerable women or younger, more more vulnerable women. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if you don't actually see a woman hiding her body, if you hear her say, I look so fat Mm -hmm. or I look terrible, I look tired, you, you internalize that too. Completely. Because then you go, oh, well, I probably look even more tired. Or, oh, oh yeah. well, I thought I looked great. But now that I think about it, I don't think I look as pretty as her. And now I feel way worse. It's like, yeah. nope, it helps no one. It is so true. Yeah, mm-hmm. we ladies, we gotta all get on the same team and overthrow this fucking patriarchy. You're all beautiful. We're all beautiful. I love you, Lizzo. I love you, Melody. I love you, me. Well, dude, <laughs> th- because we can't really discuss a show without somehow thinking of sex in the city despite the fact that we both uh quote don't like that show i hate it so much i hate it the way that a jane austen heroine hates her ultimate love interest (laughs) we all know what's gonna happen by the end i'm gonna somehow find a way to marry the television franchise sex in the city okay well said well said uh, yeah. I was just going to say, perhaps it's more of a Bronte sister situation. Perhaps oh. Sex in the City is more of our Heathcliff. Oh. We can't ultimately be with this. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm stupid. Um, <laughs> but in season one, there's a scene where all four of the women are sitting around in someone's apartment and they're eating takeout and they're going in a circle pointing out all the things they hate about their bodies. I think Charlotte says, my thighs. Carrie says, my nose. I forget what Miranda says, but Samantha just keeps eating. She has nothing to fucking contribute. She doesn't say anything mean about anybody else's body. She just doesn't have shit bad to say about herself. But it's supposed to be... But it's such a betrayal. They're like, oh my god, are you serious? And she's kind of like, what? And when I watched that when I was in college, mm-hmm. I thought it was so funny because Samantha loves herself so much. Who D- does idiot. that? What a dumb slut. <laughs> yeah, and, no, and I know. now I'm going, well, shit, she was right. Why She's the fuck should the she sit there yeah. hating herself? I know. But what is that? No, it's true. It's the same. They, they do it in Mean Girls, too. Like, my nail oh, I really want to lose I have really pounds. bad breath in the morning. Like, yeah, it's something Mm -hmm. that we all learn to do from other women who do it to themselves. It is a learned behavior. I mean, I don't want to, no, I shouldn't say that it's from women because it is mostly coming from men. Women are also, you know, keeping up the tradition, but like, just look on the internet. We're completely perpetuating it, I know, but I don't want to blame it. Like, I really hate whenever anybody's like, ladies, be confident. You're beautiful. Stop putting yourselves down. And it's like, I'm not the one putting myself down, really. Like, these beauty standards didn't come out of my own, you know, imagination or like they didn't come out of thin air. Mostly men need to stop being shitty to women across the board in every possible respect. But also, we also need to not be oppressing ourselves. Yes. Yes. Wake up and do not buy the copy of Cosmo and proceed to do all of the bizarre sex things that it tells you to do. 
Oh my god. What are some of your favorite ones that you remember? I remember one about putting a donut on the guy's dick and like licking it somehow. I don't remember. Okay, that one's like- that one's famous and I'm so glad that you remember it too cuz I remember reading that. I think I had the actual magazine. I didn't know that people would still be talking about it at least a decade and a half later. I wish I'd held on to it. Aww. I remember sprinkle sprinkle champagne. Okay, which is already going to be difficult. Are we going to put champagne in a bowl? And I'm going to then place my fingers in the bowl like a finger bowl and sprinkle it. Because you can't just dump a bottle of anything over somebody and expect it to sprinkle. I'd say get but a spray bottle and gently mist. But wait, what's the what's the fun, fun to finish up Sprinkle thing? champagne on his nipples. Oh. The carbonation will feel so sensitive against them and it'll drive him wild. There's cheaper carbonated fucking beverages than champagne, motherfuckers. There's cheaper carbonated beverages, but also how sensitive is this person's nipples i don't think it i mean i'm gonna gonna maybe experiment with myself and see what whether carbonated beverages are that effective right well i'm also thinking about alcohol just burning your your skin um but yeah a sprinkle champagne on his nipples that's a very weird one that is not a thing that anyone's gonna have patience for yeah I am so upset by like all of these sex tips for women to use on men because here's the only tip you need to know touch his dick it feels good there's a lot of nerve endings there that's fine we don't need to have workshops on how to give the best most amazing blowjob ever we don't need to involve all sorts of weird fruit and you know delicacies in our lovemaking that's all not necessary however I wish that like a tenth of the time and energy and money that is spent on women learning how to please men were done in the opposite direction. Like if there were like, you know, top, like if men's magazines, instead of being like, who's got the hottest ass out of these celebrities, if it was like ways to please your woman, best cunnilingus techniques, that would be so great. Cause they're the ones that need help. Cause our bodies are just more complicated. And well, also, and like, ignored by science and culture forever. Cunnilingus also does require at least a modicum of understanding mm-hmm. of where the target is, From how much center. pressure needs to yep. be applied. Look, how easy would it be if your clit were five to whatever, eight inches long, and someone <laughs> could just completely submerge it in his mouth? Yeah. Job done. I know. Like, I don't need to read any... Oh, God. I know. <laughs> it's yeah. use- a, a dick is quite user-friendly. It's really... It's true. I don't have penis envy, but I have, like, penis respect and knowledge envy. Like, if women's bodies were just treated with the same seriousness and love and respect as men's bodies, I'd be totally fine with living in one. Dude, and also... Speaking of the self-love thing and the Mm. penis respect envy, Uh the way that men get to openly talk about how much they love their dicks and it's just treated as so funny. Oh, men love their dicks. Why don't we talk that way about our vaginas? Well, because here's the thing. If you say something as as crazy and out there as like, you would love my vagina. You would love my vagina. Even we crazy outspoken feminists will slut shame the fuck out of you for it. You know what, though? If Antony had said to her, you would love my dick, I would have been twice as mad. I would have been more She didn't say, I love my vagina. That's true. She said, you would love my vagina. Yeah. That's different. I mean, it's implied, though, because it's not, you would love my vagina. I hate it, but shit's good enough for you. Um... I don't know. I, I don't know. I still I mean, it's think a different, that it's, it's a, a different thing. You're right. It's not it's not pride. It's trying to bait him. I understand that. Yes. 
But but the stereotype of like, oh god, men and their dicks. They're they just love their dicks. Yeah. Okay. okay am sure I not do. allowed to love my genitalia? Why why not? Are you? Uh, am I not allowed to? Well, here's here's let's get let's take it there. Let's take it there. Let's get real. Do you love your vagina? What does that mean to you? Dude, my vagina provides me with free entertainment. Okay. Satisfying entertainment. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a fucking it's a wonderland. That's great. <laughs> vagina is wonderland. That was the first draft of that no, John Mayer song before they made him clean it up. Yeah. I mean, I have no problem with it and it's fun. Um cool. but I'm wondering how like, what is the origin of the haha? Isn't it so funny how men love their dicks? Who the fuck started that? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Like, well, there, there's the joke about God, you know, said to Adam and Eve, one of you gets a dick and one of you gets a brain. You choose what you want. And the man chose the dick and started peeing on things and whacking off, and Eve chose the brain. Oh, isn't it so funny? Men are the worst wait, and women are what? smart. That's a terrible joke. I've never heard that. Oh, it's out there. I didn't well, make that up. Well, yeah. um, um, so, so, yeah, it's like, well, my my vagina is as fun as your dick, and it's not nearly as horrifying were I to whip it out. That so is very true. I think I not know dangerous. who's winning. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you feel about yours? Well, you know, mine personally, like, compared to other people's, I don't hate my body specifically, or, like, my vagina specifically. It's more that I'm seeing it from the opposite end, which is, like, it's the thing that causes me to be an oppressed member of the human race. I have periods, man. It's harder to feel sexual pleasure than it would be if I were to have a dick. I, it's, I guess I don't, I'm not sure if it's that I resent the actual vagina itself. It's to be fair, the vagina is just a you know a um an innocent bystander in the whole period thing. It's really my uterus that I hate in those days. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, it's it's fine. I don't I don't love it like men love their dicks. I'll be honest. We would hate our periods way less if we got to just pee all over everything like men no if if we weren't meant to be ashamed of anybody ever knowing we were on our period oh i'm not ashamed i just hate the pain and the hormones that make me really really sad for a day or two okay if you leaked on your jeans though and that was just the breaks and it didn't even cross your mind that you had this big visible you know stain on on your pants for the whole office to see like if if that were socially acceptable it might be acceptable to you or to me but it's not socially acceptable you're right it'd be a pain in the ass you would probably have to go home and change so so it's a burden there you're trying to keep it a secret when it is part of your life every single month for plenty of people no that's that's true but i'm wondering and we're also told they smell bad we yeah. are told that we need to fumigate them when that's Ugh. actually really dangerous no, to I know, do. That's horrible. But there are commercials on TV about it, yeah. about shoving a bunch of perfume in there as a favor to everybody else, as if we actually reek like their yeah. armpits. It's not like that. Yeah, no, no, um, no. And like, dudes, have you smelled your own balls? Like, calm down. We're fine. Right. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I, I just wonder if vaginas are complicated and mysterious just because we were told they are and there's something to be ashamed of and, and they're hidden. I, I don't know. It's, well, I, yeah, it's, it's a combination, I think, of biology and culture because, yeah, if there were as much respect and scientific research and stuff accorded to, you know, female biology and health and also sexual pleasure, 
as there is to men, obviously the orgasm gap would be much smaller, but I think it might still be there because I feel like unless you're like, I don't know, rubbing it with sandpaper or poking it with a sharp stick, I feel like probably any reasonably gentle to firm touch on a penis probably feels pretty good, assuming it's what the guy wants and there's no psychological thing that's making it unpleasant. But like, not every touch to the female genitalia does feel right. It's like and more of a... That I do also yeah. blame on porn. I don't, I don't think I would blame porn. I mean, I, porn definitely does take its share of the blame, but it's also just that like, I mean, if that worked, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. In my time, I've had to tell several people, please cool it. I, what do you... I'm, oh my we, God. We, can, we can cut this, the answer to this next question, but like, what specifically were the things that they were doing that you were like, what, what are you doing? Stop. Just the speed and pressure they were using to touch it. Yeah. No, 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 no. It, And it's just like, who taught you that? And that's when I no, think, is it because you observed it in porn when they're like doing Maybe. that and spitting on it and shit? Ugh. It's like, yeah, no. no, you can do this gently and no, no, it no. will drive me completely insane. It's Don't true. do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no. That I don't like. Indeed. Well, that was a that was a lovely little diversion. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I forgot how it even started. It's all good. All roads lead to vaginas eventually. Oh, well we were talking about um Colin and Melody before we were going to do our fuck Mary kill. But oh, yeah. um, was there anything else that we wanted to say about Colin and Melody and their relationship? For an on-screen relationship involving a much older man and a gorgeous bombshell younger woman, mm-hmm. I appreciated that she was the aggressor. Yes. And I appreciated that he was kind of putting up the stop sign when he was uncomfortable and that she was respecting it. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. And I guess because of that, when we finally got the daddy issues payoff, mm-hmm. even though it's the most obvious thing in the world, sure. I wasn't thinking about it until she said it. No, I agree. I thought that it was sweet and I was definitely rooting for them. And in the finale, he has accidentally fallen out of her window where he is sitting for her to paint him. Uh, and she <laughs> returns to the room and is, is wearing a sexy nurse's outfit. So then they go to the hospital and she's wearing the sexy nurse's outfit in the room with him. And then his wife comes in and Melody pretends to be a nurse and talks to her and is uh, asking these questions and then whatever. Um, and then the wife asks something like, well, who who is this person to you? And then he says, she's she's my Melody. And I thought that that was such a lovely little thing. Yeah. And the opposite of, of Anthony calling Lulu my Lulu, which is really creepy. I don't but like it. I don't like that, but this is this is the right way to do it. I also like how protective Melody is when the wife or soon-to-be ex-wife walks in. Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love Colin? How much do you care about him? What about your new one, Brian? Like, I yes. I liked that. I liked that. So how would we devise a shag Mary kill? If we do it like we did with coupling, where we do the women and then the men. Marry Fred, fuck Sam, kill Anthony and be roommates with Colin. 100% agree. And never look back. That's the easiest choice I've ever made in my entire life. And um, gosh, the women, okay, there's a couple ways that you could do this. Yeah, do you wanna start? I think we have tried to establish this in the past. When you say fuck somebody, do I fuck them one time or am I fucking them while I'm married to this other person? That's up to you, baby. (laughs) Live your own life. Well then that changes things. Okay, you can you can tell me both answers. Okay, so if I 
am going to marry someone and like have a lot of incredible sex with them and not cheat on them and my shag happened in the past Mm -hmm. i think it'd be fun to be married to melody Mm -hmm. and then i would shag lulu and kill kate oh i was always gonna kill lulu if i am going to marry someone and have just a domestic loving partnership and be stepping out Mm -hmm. i am marrying kate Mm -hmm. fucking melody and killing lulu Okay, that's interesting. See, my my kill Lulu was consistent for the same reason that my killing Jane Christie was consistent in coupling. Because even okay. though she would give me a better time probably than than Kate would, I just can't stand to live in a world where she exists. So she's dead. Bye bye, Lulu. Have fun with Anthony and hell. And then I was thinking I would marry Kate and fuck Melody, but Kate, since we said that. You know, she she's uptight, and that doesn't really bother me so much. She's responsible, she has a job, she could be the breadwinner and, like, take care of all of the domestic chores that we see her being so good about at, around the hospital. And then fucking Melody would be fun. But also, you know, she gets drunk so easily. Like, for someone who's, like, so uptight and, and like, oh, I never cut loose and have fun. Like we said, we see her do that several times in these six episodes, so maybe... I don't know, like, if... if it's not really, we don't see it enough for me to assume that there's some sort of alcohol problem or anything, but she also, you know, she pretended with her entire relationship with Anthony and she didn't ever tell him that she didn't have orgasms with him. I just feel like I would probably want to be Melody's partner more because she's so much more open. She's the only one of these three women who isn't fake, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I think I would probably, regardless, I would marry Melody and and fuck Kate and kill Lulu. Well, that's settled. It is. <laughs> um, do we have an American equivalent? Or is it that just too Ooh. easy with when you think about really any sitcom sex comedy with a bunch of young people living in close proximity and it's all so wacky and fun? Well, you say it's too easy, but like, what would your answer to that be? You know, it's hard because I think that such a defining characteristic of the show is that they're all... Poor mm-hmm. and therefore living in a disused hospital. Yeah. Which is just not something you get with sex in the city or friends. No, of it's course. It's definitely more... <laughs> well, unfortunately, not everybody on The Young Ones is fucking each other. That'd be a great show. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't in a while. Right. We talk about that extensively. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that I do see little by little kind of changing is... Mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about Britney runs a marathon the other week about, you know, the lack of real estate porn mm-hmm. in a movie that takes place in New York. I don't know, because my my mind immediately wants to go to something like Friends or any other sitcom that has men and women in complicated romantic situations. But again, I, th- yeah. I think what makes it different is that they're modern people in this straight up commune thing. So I can't really... Yeah. No, it's true. I also think that because Friends, for as much as I love it, it's what I would call like a safe show. Mm -hmm. They can't ever get too edgy because it was like on at a family friendly hour and it was on network TV. I think that there are a lot more modern shows that can push the envelope a little bit further that would be a closer tonal companion to this than Mm -hmm. Friends. Friends is not quite outrageous enough, I think, that you wouldn't be like, oh, if you like Friends, you would love this. Or if you like this, then you would love Friends. No, I'm trying to think... Maybe, this is not exactly right, but something closer to the tone of, like, Broad City. Ooh. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, again, like, 
poor young people living in a very populous city and doing a lot of weird things and every and every day like, is a different sort of wacky adventure yeah, yeah yeah and it's like slightly surreal in spots and also and then very real in other spots it's not that still isn't quite the right answer but i think it's getting warmer maybe yeah okay that's cool yeah my ticket you know i was thinking about my vagina again and i think i didn't really explain my attitude about it earlier very well i just wanted to hop back in and say that i don't I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily love it. Like, I'm not ashamed of it. I don't think that it's gross. I just accept it as it is. But I will say that, like, on the whole, it... (laughs) Sorry, that was a really unfortunate homophone. Anyway, I would just say that on the the final scorecard of my life, I think that it's probably given me more grief than joy that's how i would put it okay see that's I, all. I, yeah. I i hear you and you're you are right i mean but i gotta wonder how much of the grief is just imposed upon us probably it, a lot it Definitely naturally a lot. grows hair and the hair is gross that i don't mind but yeah no i, I see what you're saying Wait, what do you mean you don't mind i don't mind the hair like i'm not like feeling bad about mine because no it's i know hairy. but like maybe when i was younger and i was being informed this naturally occurring goddamn phenomenon is somehow gross. You, yeah. like, you know, I mean. No, I understand. Yeah, no, I mean, pubic so. Pubic hair is sexy. I've always thought so. Don't shave your pubes, guys. Oh, sure. It's not I what mean, nature I, intended. You, you don't shave your balls. Um, but, but I'm sure there are other women out there who make sure to budget for getting it waxed or lasered or whatever. And that's uncomfortable. And, and resentment's going to grow where, where yeah. it should be nothing but just beautiful, bushy hair. And then <laughs> yeah. what I was trying to say about the period thing, it's bad enough that you are in tremendous physical pain and you're sad and everything mm-hmm. bothers you. But then on top of that, you're supposed to kind of keep it inside. You can only tell trusted people what's happening. And so there's this added resentment of like, I feel like hell, plus I'm at work, or I feel like hell, plus I'm at a social function yeah. with people who I don't really know very well and I can't tell anybody, plus I happen Probably. to be wearing a certain color that's not going to jive well with any fucking Menzies leak back there, you know? So yeah. so there's a fear surrounding it. We've made it taboo. There's also a fear surrounding pregnancy. Oh, God, I know. these, these I things... would love to be a parent without ever having to give birth or to harvest my eggs with a needle. Whoops, can't do that in this lifetime. Well, no, sure, 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 sure. So it's like, yeah, it is difficult enough. The female body is pretty fucking complicated. But when you just pile it on with the disapproval and everything's got to be very secret and polite, like, I don't resent my asshole or my bowels, but they've given me plenty of trouble. (laughs) Like, would you rather have your period or uncontrollable diarrhea? I know how to deal with my period. But, like, well, my but asshole doesn't get the same if, rap. If you have uncontrollable diarrhea, then that's your asshole not doing its job. If you have your period, that's your vagina doing its job. So, yeah, I'd rather your have asshole an asshole that works and a vagina that doesn't. getting everything out that needs to come out. Something's gone wrong and your body's saying, out, out. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I think of my vagina as, as my partner in crime in, in navigating this patriarchal bullshit world. That's that's lovely. I think of it, I guess I think of mine the, the same way, but we're less plucky than you and yours. <laughs> it's more like, well, we gotta face this fucking day again. All right. <laughs> it's like we're begrudging partners in like a 
not quite buddy comedy and we haven't really i don't know i don't know what i'm saying wow <laughs> what a buddy comedy that would be i mean star kid basically wrote the male equivalent of that with me and my dick exactly because men love their dicks men get they to really love do. their dicks even though apparently they can't control their dicks and it gets them into all kinds of insane trouble oh officer i didn't know she was 15 she was just so beautiful and my dick stood up and i didn't know what to do like <laughs> dick's way more dangerous Pregnancy, 100%. period, it's uncomfortable, but it's not dangerous. That's true. But the penis gets to be this lovable, affable, hanging thing. Anyway, <laughs> yet another tangent. <laughs> Getting back to the central premise of the show, is this a way that you would ever want to live or would have when you were younger? I'm sure that if, if this show had been around when I was in middle school or high school, I would have been into that. I wouldn't be yeah. into it now. I had the dorms freshman year and that was, yeah. that's all I need. That's all I need of it. That's been the only time of my life where I've had the communal living and the experience of people bursting in at a inopportune oh ho ho moment mm -hmm. and, and vice versa. But one year was enough. Well, you only lived in dorms for one year? Yeah. Crazy. We had um, on-campus apartments the following year. Which, oh, which was fun as well. That was also wacky because we had like a wacky quad of apartments. And then I lived off campus for the third and fourth year because that was an option in Santa Cruz. But it's just kind of another one of the many ways that movies depict things in a much more fun and zany way than they really are. I think about, oh, completely. Think about Empire Records. Those people worked in retail. They make it look yeah. like the most fun you could possibly ever have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a great example of that kind of thing. Oh, man. What are what are other TV shows and movies that make things look glamorous that are so not in real life? Uh, scrubs. How much must it suck to work in a hospital where there are people dying and yeah. there's germs everywhere and you're in these damn scrubs and you work late nights like mm -hmm. that's not to say that there can't also be an incredible amount of camaraderie that goes into working in a sure. in a high pressure job but gosh but they wacky made it look hijinks so are not wacky yes name of the game yeah i guess like coupling with you know making looking to find someone to have sex with seem fun <laughs> that's, that is not my experience yeah mm. that's true that's true yeah but like particularly in episode three when they're doing curry night and they're all they've got this little like kind of family style dinner together and they're all wearing these funky pineapple sunglasses and eating this home-cooked meal that did make the communal living aspect of it look really nice but yeah no i'm i'm definitely way too old for that shit at this point you know what though if uh <laughs> If we survive the next uh, five years and things start to to change because of a lack of resources and there's a paradigm shift where not necessarily everybody gets their own apartment or their own house and we do have to kind of go into a more communal living thing, I hope it's like crashing <laughs> and not like Lobo M or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh god. Okay. Rent. That fucking musical is so irresponsible because it made like middle schoolers and high schoolers think that being a starving artist squatter with AIDS looked glamorous. Well, nope. I, I never listened to that goddamn soundtrack, but you and I watched the movie and we had a hell of a time. It's so funny. And I remember like many moments where the lyrics were just horrifying me and I turned to you. But it, in particular, <laughs> there was that one moment when they're all screaming, we're not going to pay the rent. And I went, why the fuck not? You, why aren't you going to pay your rent? I don't get it. 
This is yeah. what you signed up for. It's an apartment. Because they're you too busy rent. writing one song in a year. But I don't remember. They're was, was the landlord evil or was he like, you owe me he's, rent? He's meant to be the bad guy, but he's like sympathetic because I guess he used to be friends with them or something. Is he raising the rent or is he just saying, please pay it? I think he's just saying, please pay the okay, rent. Okay, so that's like, some they're, they're literally bullshit. not paying any rent. That is some fucking They're bullshit. a bunch of entitled little pussies. In Manhattan. Okay, this is not a musical about people who have been living in the Mission District of San Francisco for decades, and Mm. then a fucking, you know, little craft coffee place opens up down the street, and the landlord raises their rent by $2,000. Now, that would be cause for a goddamn musical number. Yeah. Not just a, hey, please pay the rent as agreed. Exactly. If it was, like, gentrification, the musical, or, like, increased rent... We're not going to pay the increased rent. But no, they're not going to pay any goddamn rent. I don't get that, man. I never understood that about the fucking show. It's just the way of the world. It is. But maybe someday it won't be. Look, that'd be tight. universal income. That'd be tight. But who the fuck are these people to decide that? They kind of suck. They're artists, Stephanie. They're they're artists. Uh, One person writes one song and one person makes one quote movie. (laughs) Yeah. And don't forget the shitty performance art about the cow and the moon. Oh, I did forget about that, though. How about that? You're welcome for the reminder. (laughs) How was that performance art? It was a monologue in the park, and she just kind of looks normal. I I don't know. I can't answer any of your questions, Stephanie. It's a a rhetorical (laughs) question that that illustrates how dumb it is. Rent is dumb, but crashing is not dumb. If you guys still haven't watched it, which I hope you have. Wait, is that an American equivalent? That we oh god i hope not no no <laughs> no because crashing is while it does have some pretty hateable characters it also is funny on purpose it's funny on purpose and i do appreciate that no one living there with the exception of melody is a self-proclaimed artist and melody actually does create art every day that's true yeah Shit, now I'm wondering, is Rent the equivalent of Rent? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't so. want it to be. I don't want it. I don't want it to be either. So, equivalent you know what? We're the, we're the only two people who get to have a say on this particular matter on this particular podcast. So Duh. I'm going <laughs> to stamp it with the big red no stamp and move on. Sounds good. All right. I am just looking at the piles of laundry that I have to go do that I can now go do because my landlord's going to let me in. And while I'm in there, I might just bust into an impromptu song with no melody about how I'm not going to pay rent. (laughs) 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 And then people will call me Sondheim. I'm sorry. No, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um, Yeah. All right. Well... Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Anglo Podcast. Send us some emails with your thoughts and suggestions and just to say hey at anglophiliapodcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, anglophiliapodcast.com. You can listen to our episodes there, read Stephanie's lovely blog posts, buy some merchandise if and you like. you can donate to us on Patreon. We do have a Patreon page. No amount is too small. Just... Maybe give us a give us a couple bucks if you feel like it. We do have some exclusive content over there as well if you'd like to check it out. Yes, it would be so lovely if you do that because unlike those dirty fucking hippies in rent, we do pay our rent. <gasps> it's expensive. Do not speak disparagingly of dirty fucking hippies, man. I will not hear those people be called hippies. Hippies okay, got shit done. Okay, dirty fucking pretentious really bohemian bitches. Is that yes. better? Hippies All tried, right. man. Hippies really Hi- tried. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Well, anyway, um, join us next week when we will be discussing the delightfully zany series Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. I am so stoked, dude. Me too. Mm-hmm. Ah. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.